selected verses from Job 32 and 34. So these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. Elihu said this, I waited while you spoke. I listened to your reasoning while you were searching for words. They are dismayed and have no more to say. Words have failed them. Must I wait now that they are silent? Now that they stand there with no reply? I too will have my say. I too will tell what I know, for I am full of words and the spirit within me compels me. So listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do evil, from the Almighty to do wrong. He repays everyone for what they have done. He brings on them what their conduct deserves. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. Who appointed him over the earth? Who put him in charge of the whole world? If it were his intention that he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to dust. Welcome back to our study of Job. I'm Ian and this is the Sailor Time to Pause podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. I will stop and breathe in your presence, just breathe, just breathe. Job has been suffering terribly and it's no surprise that he and his friends wonder why God is doing this to him. Why is God punishing him? Yet, have Job and his friends ever stopped to think about what that might look like? If God really were angry with Job, if he'd ceased to love Job, if he were to withdraw his continuing care, if he wanted to bring down the full might of his punishment, then what might that actually look like? It's perhaps the opposite strategy to the one that those who suffer are often encouraged to use when they're told, cheer up, it can't be that bad, just count your blessings. Instead of thinking about the good things that have happened, think about the bad things that didn't happen. It's kind of a way of backing into gratitude. Walk to the edge of that cliff you didn't fall off. Look down into the abyss and let a wave of nausea and tightening pass over you and then step back and think, well, thank God I didn't fall. It's a strategy we find applied in numerous places in scripture. Perhaps most obviously in Psalm 104, where the psalmist asks, what if the Lord had not been on our side before listing the calamities that would have befallen them? We don't really have any trouble using our imaginations to think about the things that did not happen. We've got no trouble thinking about things that might have happened but didn't. We can look back over our lives and reflect on how different things might have been if we'd just gone to that other school or gone that other job or married that girl or if we'd could just have stayed focused if we hadn't been so cautious or if that friend hadn't died. In today's Bible reading, Elihu gives us a small measure of insight to the answer to that question. What if God truly were angry with Job? He invites Job to use his imagination to think about the disaster that would be if God did truly not care. Elihu makes the point that God is continually caring for all of creation, including Job, by pointing out what the consequences would be if that simple statement were not true. If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. 
Elihu's worldview is that God is somehow holding the whole world together and Job is in some sense being held together, every part of him held in place by the continual activity of God. In part, this is because Job lives. Though the Satan has been given a great deal of latitude in the way he can deal with Job, he's not been allowed to touch his life. God has not surrendered his sovereign right to decide whether Job lives or dies. We all know that when the day will finally come that we each will die and the breath of life that God breathed into us is gone from our bodies, that something of the force that holds us together will also be gone. The cells that form me will break down. The molecules will lose their order and the atoms will eventually recycle elsewhere. As we read in Genesis chapter 3, we were made from dust and to dust we shall return. We each even know the words that will likely be said over our grave and those words that will remind others of the sustaining power of life that held us together, that that force has gone. As the vicar or priest or minister or officer says over us, earth to earth, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Our very living, the breath of life that God breathed into us in some way beyond my understanding, holds us together. But there's an even wider truth. For it's not just Job that would cease to be if the Lord withdrew his care, but all life. In scripture, we find specific references to God's control of natural processes, including Cloud formation, rain and photosynthesis, storms, thunder and lightning, snow, ice and hail. He causes day and night to occur and controls the waves of the sea. He provides food for both wild and domesticated animals and physical life in both humans and animals is his to give and his to take away. And we read in Psalm 104 again that the whole world constantly depends upon God. And in Colossians 1, we read that God holds all things together. In Acts 17, we read that life, movement and even existence flow from him. All things are held together by God's hand. All humanity, all life, every biological process, the principles of chemistry and the atom's inner forces, the laws that govern all nature of thermodynamics and causality and gravity, the very existence of space and time and matter and energy is dependent upon God's continual governance and care. God has not abandoned his creation. He constantly sustains and preserves it through what theologians call his common grace and providence. In his sovereignty and by continuous agency, God maintains in existence all things that he has made, together with all their properties and powers. It was a common idea in the past that God created the heavens and the earth at the beginning and then sat back and just watched his creation evolve. In such a view of creation, God was likened to a watchmaker who, having made a beautifully engineered watch, simply wound it up and set it going. But this view of God and creation places God outside of his creation and not involved within it. Even those who believe that God exercises some providential control over the world are often unsure if he really concerns himself with the details of history and the everyday experiences of human life. They see God in the image of the businessman who lays down a general plan but who is too great, too distant to be troubled with the mundane details of his business. Does that describe the God of the Bible? 
Is God utterly apart from our world? Has he made it only to walk away? Christian doctrine offers an emphatic no. God has not abandoned the world he created. The Bible constantly affirms that he sustains and preserves what he has made. Nehemiah declares, You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all. God continues to work in relation to what he has created. He works to maintain and uphold that creation. We depend upon the will and working of our creator for continued existence. Yet even when we accept that he is not uninvolved, remote, detached and impersonal, just leaving things to run by themselves, the risk is that we confine his working to the level of the miraculous, or at least the dramatic, when the truth is that all the while he's at work in ordinary things too. To confine God's work in the universe to miracles alone is dangerous, for miracles suggest that something unusual is going on, Yet the Bible teaches that God is always interested in what's happening in my life and he's always at work. With creation, God does not abandon his creatures to themselves. He not only gives them being and existence, but also and at every moment upholds and sustains them in being and enables them to act. Just as God is not some distant clockmaker who left the universe to run its own course, so too he's not a God who opts out periodically but then just occasionally comes back to make a few tweaks before continuing to let the universe carry on again in its own sweet way until his next intervention. The great things and the small, the most deliberate and the seemingly accidental are all under his continuous control. The Bible makes it clear that the Spirit of God lives among us. His all-pervading presence and power permeates all creation. Our God fills the universe and he is never far away from any one of us. God is actively involved with his creation. In one of my previous appointments, our junior choir used to sing a lovely song which included some amazing words. Every second, every minute, every hour in every day.
detached clockmaker, nor an occasional intervener. His creative power was not limited to a one-off event, and nor is it limited to the periodically miraculous, but it's daily and it's constant. If God was against us, the psalmist said, we would have perished, and we didn't, so he wasn't. If God had withdrawn his care, said Elihu, you'd be nothing but dust, and you aren't, so he didn't. The God we see presented throughout scripture is both the creator and sustainer of the universe. The Salvation Army's second doctrine says that he's the creator, preserver and governor of all things. He keeps this world spinning. Moment by moment he sustains his creation and were he to merely relax his grasp on the universe, every atom would come apart. Creation is not the consequence of a mindless accident, but a planned work which is being constantly shaped by a loving God to achieve his ultimate will. All things owe their continued existence to God's omnipotent and omnipresent power. Every atom, every force, every creature is sustained continuously by God. All creation continues to exist simply because God wishes it to be so and is working to keep it so. Psalm 139 tells us that we were each knitted together in our mother's womb by God, woven into being by him with great care. And even though we may not always find it easy to believe, each fibre and each sinew was lovingly assembled with reason and with purpose to make us into a unique being whom he uniquely loves. And this continues throughout every day of our lives. The Bible speaks of the hairs of our head as being numbered, that we cannot make one hair white or black, that not a sparrow could fall off the housetop without our Heavenly Father knowing, and that he gives to every lily of the field its beauty and bestows upon it a glory that Solomon never knew. Our God is a God of unimaginable love. He is a loving Father who is personally interested in his children. Fanny Crosby wrote one of her most famous songs at a time when, perhaps like Job and his friends, she'd been doubting God's goodness. She was facing immense financial hardship and urgently needed some money. How could God leave her in this position? Did he truly care for her? But as she looked over the cliff edge of extreme debt, she started to pray. And a few moments later, a gentleman donated her $5, the precise amount that she needed. Later, when remembering the event, she said, I've no way of accounting for this except to believe that God put it into the heart of this good man to bring the money. If the Lord had not been on her side, the psalmist might say, she would have lost all. But he was, and she didn't. If God had withdrawn his care, Elihu might have said, she would have perished. But he never would, and so she did not. God was her constant support. And reflecting on that experience, she wrote these words. Can I doubt God's tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, I know whate'er befall me, he gives me grace for every trial and feeds me with the living bread. And this, my song through all the ages, Jesus has led, sustained and preserved me every day and all the way. And her experience can be ours. I'm so glad to know and serve a God who has not only the power to create, but also the power to sustain that which he has created. I'm so glad to serve a God who takes a permanent interest in me personally 
and who sustains me from day to day. And whatever may befall me, whatever challenge I face, whatever suffering may lie ahead of me, I can be forever secure in God's loving care. Daily and constantly he has always loved me, and daily and constantly he always will. Whatever the present and whatever the future, I am always and forever in God's loving hands. I will not fear, though the darkened clouds may gather round me. I trust the one who whispers peace. Although the winds and waves would threaten to confound me, you walked upon the ancient seas. He still can calm the storm in me. I cannot see in the night that lies before me But I hold the hand that made the stars My faith is firm in the one who watches over me His steadfast love will be my guard the future holds I'm in his hands The days I cannot see have all been planned for me His way is best You see I'm in his hands
This has been Sailor Time to Pause, a podcast from Plexus Salvation Army, an online church in the UK. I'm Ian. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Sam. If you've enjoyed journeying with us over these last few weeks, join us every Monday. Or any day that works for you. To spend time together, taking time out to pause, catch our breath, draw near to God and refresh our spirits. We share Bible teachings, reflections on songs we're listening to, and on what's going on in the world around us. As well as this, on the last day of the month, we look back and reflect, share any thoughts from our listener community and ask what we can take from it into our daily living. What we call our personal So What's for the month. Join us, making us part of your regular routine, spending a few minutes to listen to what God might be saying to you. Find us on your favourite podcast streaming service, on Facebook or YouTube by searching for Selah. That's S-E-L-A-H. Time to pause. Pause.